Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone. This is Warren Berry from Instinctive Solutions. And uh, today we, are, we have our guest, Mark Heisey. And we, you know, we're talking to people, remarkable people, who are doing amazing things, and they're leading the charge of generosity. So our good friend Mark here is the president and CEO of Rebellion Brewing Company here in Regina, Saskatchewan. He uh, has won international awards for his beer. He's the only Canadian to win the International Home Brew Award, not once, but twice. He has brewed beer in Australia. He's been featured on ABC, which would be the Australian Broadcasters Corporation down under. He is a certified beer judge, a certified barbecue judge. And then this guy's got some mean taste buds. And the interesting bit is he's a, he was an accountant, an IT executive. He was a numbers guy. Uh, I found out he's a rock star. He plays in a band. Uh, we know he's a member of Tech Canada with a group with Linda Allen Hardesty, who's a wonderful person from Tech Canada. Give them a shout out. And uh, Mark's just an all-around nice guy. I mean, this guy's this guy's a, a he's kind of a big deal, right? So, so Mark, I want to welcome you to the Better the Pond podcast. Oh, the privilege is all mine. I'm excited to chat today. Excellent. So, so Mark, you're you know you're once a gosling. Right now, here as a full-grown goose. Um, you're full of knowledge and wisdom and experience. So, Mark, I want to know your backstory. Like, what took you from being a gosling to leaving the nest, and and what's got you to where you are today? What? Tell me your story. Well, it uh, it all starts and ends in Regina, um, which a lot of folks seem to be surprised that um, I, I I've spent most of my life in Regina. I lived in Calgary for six months, which is I don't think that even really counts. So yeah, so it, it's kind of cool. It's a homegrown story. It's a true story. There's nothing too exciting. I don't think there's anything too exciting, but um, I don't know. I grew up like any other kid here and, uh, you know, heavily involved in sports, all this stuff. I enjoyed music. I never played music. I was too busy playing sports, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, once I kind of got, uh, you know, kind of got out on my own, started doing my own thing. I got really excited about music, really got involved in punk rock. I was always and that's where, you know, you start reflecting upon things. You don't, you don't just, I don't know, I didn't think I was weird when I was young. I just thought people didn't understand me. And yeah, I guess maybe I am weird or a little different. But uh, anyway. <laughs> so I got, I got to stop you there for just a second, because this is going to go right away. You're running into a segue already. So I have to know, right, being from Regina, right? And I'm from Regina as well, right? North of Dudney, south of Dudney. Oh, NOD all the way, yeah. yeah NOD great. all the way. Yeah, I, uh, I, was, I, I didn't make the mistake of going to Luther, but I, w- I went to Luther College, which was great. It's a private high school, and uh, a lot of kids from the South End, and nothing wrong with being from the South End, but it was very clear who was from the North End and who was from the South End. You could tell by the, the cars that we drove, and uh, those of us that also uh, all had part-time jobs. You know, I was a dishwasher at Greco's, which I guess was in the South End, you know, and I sold stuff at the Rider Games, concessions, and I washed semi-trucks, and you know, just anything, which was, so it was a great upbringing, uh, you know, that kind of working blue collar, uh, working class type of a thing. I'm really, really proud of that. It definitely uh, learned a strong work ethic. And uh, yeah, so that was fantastic. Uh, so, so yeah. So to the, to our, to our listeners, 
Right. So just, just, you know, so people out there, I mean, people are listening from all over the world. So we don't have, we're not, we won't go into the big NOD, but north of duty. So, but describe to me someone who is south of duty, a south ender. What, what did they drive? Because you obviously made the very clear cut, right? And someone who's north of duty, what did they drive? What was, tell our audience what the distinction was between the two sides of Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Well, there's definitely a lot of new cars in the parking lot for the kids that lived in the south end. Um, as we were just talking about it last week, you know, I've been out of high school for 25 years, but you know, there was, there was a guy that drove up Brickland, you know, that was, that's a pretty rare collectible car. It had the big, uh, the doors that would open up like a DeLorean, you know, back to the future, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, no one from the North of Dudney drove that. So, uh, North of Dudney, yeah, I, I had a 1984 Thunderbird and that was in the mid nineties. Uh, and some people think, oh, Thunderbirds, those are really cool cars. By the 1980s, those were not cool cars. They were uh, plastic, <laughs> plastic, gutless junk. Um, but uh, hey, I loved it. It was my car, and uh, it's pretty sweet. So it got me where I needed to go. I could go and wash my dishes at Greco's, and uh, yeah, go and have some fun as well. Drink some beer. Always, always love beer. Always love beer. Always love different beer. Always love trying to seek out different stuff. I didn't necessarily understand what craft beer was. I just, I just always wanted something different. And uh, even as, you know, if you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, you know, I remember having, I, I had to have a pair of Air Jordans, but I had to get a, a color and a version that no one else had. So I had some blue, I had a pair of blue and gray ones. And uh, I remember the kids thought I was an idiot because I didn't have red and black and white, but uh, I just wanted to be different. That was always my thing. So yeah, so I gravitated to punk rock, which was really about being different, about really celebrating um, uniqueness and speaking your mind and, and working really hard and trying to speak the truth and seeking out the truth. And so I learned a whole lot of stuff like that. Really, really enjoyed that, really kind of found my place and uh, gave, me a lot of, gave me a lot of confidence that I probably didn't have previously, but I was still very, very introverted and very, very shy. And at the same time, I was, you know, I, was, I went to school uh, to be an accountant. I was, I was working full time as an accountant while still going to school and playing punk rock and touring. And uh, yeah, I was always, always busy. Um, but again, I kept those two worlds very, very separate. Uh, kept my tattoos covered up. You know, again, this was the 90s. I remember our uh, our uh, front receptionist, she wore, she had blue uh, nail polish one day and they sent her home uh, for being too weird. So I definitely didn't want them to see my tattoos. So I uh, always had to wear, you know, long sleeve shirt and a tie and all that sort of stuff, which was great, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. You know, I, that wasn't the real me. So that was- So that it's was interesting. Great. Yeah, but listen to that. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming that you did tattoos before tattoos were- Cool. I mean, if you look now, I mean, who, who, you know, besides me, who doesn't have a tattoo, right? I mean, they're on every street corner. It's, you know, it's almost, it's almost bizarre if you don't. And yeah, it's when, kind when of to you, that point. Yeah, and when you got them, I'm sure that you were the, you were the that odd duck that had that was all tatted up, and before tattoos were the thing to have. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, you know, I've kind of, you know, it's it's fun. I don't I don't know why. I just I'm just always gravitated towards different unique things. Um, it's it served me well, but you know, sometimes it can be too far ahead of the curve. Uh, a lot of things, even in our business that we've done, um, people are suggesting now, hey, you guys should do uh, yoga and beer classes. And I said, well, we did that five years ago and nobody came. Well, maybe you know, now is the time we should be doing yoga and beer, not five years ago when no one cared or thought that was cool and no one showed up but uh so sometimes yeah sometimes I'm a little a little too far ahead but that, that's okay uh i like being forward thinking and i don't think i'm really going to change that so yeah i mean that was that was basically it i worked in business worked in it um you know very very introverted very detail oriented learned a lot about finances about accounting 
um, I was involved in project management, you know, implementing, you know, big, large scale uh, software and all that sort of stuff. So you had to be very, very focused, very, very disciplined and think very logically or you get yourself in trouble in a hurry. And um, yeah, I had, I had no time for leadership, for emotions, for being touchy feely. I was, I was awful. People said I was a jerk and I was, I was, uh, I remember I worked in government and government's not big on performance reviews, but I got one performance review. I said, I kept it. And it said, uh, Mark is very argumentative and outspoken, even though he's usually right. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was, I thought it was hilarious, but it did start to get me thinking. I was like, geez, that, I sound like a, I sound like a real a-hole. So uh, even, even though maybe I am right, maybe I am smart. Um, yeah. So I started thinking about that, but yeah, so like you mentioned Tech Canada and leadership. And so, um, yeah, I always avoided all those, you know, you have like the, uh, the professional development days and I would always just schedule a vacation day or I would schedule a trip to go to Saskatoon and do some work. So I wouldn't have to go to those, but, uh, about 10, 12 years ago, finally went to one and, uh, yeah, kind of realized that this was a huge blind spot and, uh, I, I, I wasn't tapping into that emotional side and it was frankly, uh, part of the re it was holding me back, uh, career wise, frankly, because I didn't, I wasn't, uh, learning or paying attention to those leadership skills that, really are the differentiator that I think about from just, you know, any, every, anyone can be technically proficient. You can go on YouTube and teach yourself anything, but are you able to lead? Are you able to manage? Are you able to, to think of the emotional side? And that's when I really uh, got a huge, saw a huge, huge difference in, in myself and all that sort of stuff. But the real, the real kicker that where I really started getting confidence was honestly, when I met my wife, I met my wife in 1999. So 21 years ago, and, uh, and she was the first person that I would, you know, aside from your, my parents that you know, truly believed in me and accepted me for me. I didn't have to uh, pretend to be someone else or hide my tattoos or tell, say what I really thought or play the weird music that I liked. Uh, and she just ate that up and thought that was fantastic. And so, you know, you kind of need those people in your life to, uh, to really just give you some support. You know, it's, it's great to be, oh, I'm a maverick and I'm just going to lead, lead, do, do my own thing. But it's pretty tough when you got no one in your corner <laughs> encouraging you because you know, the, the, the friends I had, I mean, I mean, I remember coloring my hair blue. I mean, and they, they said I looked like an idiot, you know, or my cousin said I looked like an idiot or I was an, you know, my grandma said I was embarrassing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it wasn't exactly, That's always a nice feeling. And, and she probably wasn't wrong, but you know, it wasn't exactly a vote of confidence. You know? <laughs> so, so Mark shift me into gears. Because um, again, you're leading into a great segue, but I, you know, I'm really interested in what took you from accounting, IT, structure, right? To now, you're, I mean, you're, you're I mean, it's still business, but you know, when I look at Rebellion, um, honestly, I look at you guys are, you know, I wouldn't say cutting edge because I mean it's beer, but you guys are really doing things different, like your branding, your marketing, everything you're doing is really different, and and it's and it's really, uh, I think it's quite spectacular. So. What took you from the, the accounting business, the IT world, that structural world, into making beer? Yeah, so again, it's uh, the, the really simple answer of how I got interested in beer is, uh, I think it was in 2004 for my birthday, my wife gave me a card and it just said, happy birthday, you should buy yourself a beer making kit. And I'd never ever talked about making beer, it never ever came up, and I just said, and I, I still ask her this day, I'm like, why did you write that down? Why, why was that my birthday present? And she said, I don't know. It's just what I wrote. And uh, <laughs> so I bought a beer making kit. And uh, again, I just, I just became obsessed with it. 
Um, a lot of people enjoy drinking beer. Um, a lot of people really don't understand even what I didn't really understand what went into beer. If you would ask me back then, I don't know if I could have said there was malt and hops and barley and water. I don't, I don't even know if I could have told you that back then. So, but it, it got me starting to think about that now if I was going to try and make it. And uh, that's where I, you know, the, my analytical brain just kicked in because there's so much science, there's so much detail and so much process. But then, you know, I was playing punk rock. I was writing my own songs. I had some of my own ideas and beer allows you to do that through, uh, there's, there's so much art and creativity in it. So I just, I was like, this is, this is for me. This is, this has the best of everything. I can obsess and geek out on it. I can go to whatever lengths I want. I can put my own stamp on it. I can make something weird and crazy that no one else has ever tasted before. And that was just so appealing to me. And, uh, and I was very successful as a home brewer, did really well, won lots of medals, you know, I was writing articles, blah, blah, you know, all this sort of stuff. Anyways, um, yeah, and at the same time, kind of just frustrated working in the IT world, um, kind of hit a wall just professionally and challenging wise. Um, also around that time, this was about 2010, uh, my wife was diagnosed with cancer at that point. So she missed, uh, she had to take a year off of work and go through treatment. That's, uh, you know, very scary stuff. Um, but it was, you know, kind of like the pandemic right now is you can, you can, you can wallow in the in misery and being scared. And, and we absolutely went through that, but you can also uh, look for the positives and you can focus on what's within your control. And so she came out of it on the, on the, on a really good, really positive note. She's been clean bill of health for 10 years. Um, we weren't able to have a family, which again, you know, you could, you can wallow in that, you know, and we, we kind of went through our grief, grief stage on that. But, you know, again, one door closes, another door opens. And it's like, okay, well, there's lots of really cool things that you can do. If you don't have kids in your life, you can do a heck of a lot of traveling. You can do a lot of free time and Hey, maybe you can even open your own business. So a lot of things just kind of happened. And, um, yeah, I got, there's a few other homebrewing friends and, um, you know, at the time craft beer was you could see that it was happening around the rest of the world in, in Saskatchewan. It hadn't really taken off yet. We had the bushwhacker, we had paddock wood, which were doing great things, but I just, we could see that there was more uh, opportunity there than just those two small breweries. And so, you know, it's just kind of the right place, right time. And uh, that's where, you know, we were really able to put all of those, the, my entire background and all of my uh, skills that I developed or learned, you know, I had, I'm certified as a change manager. I'm used to running a managed multi-million dollar projects. So say, hey, let's build a brewery and spend a few million bucks. I was like, okay, well, how hard can it be? I've, I've managed $80 million IT portfolios. It can't be that hard. And so that was really fun and actually put it into process and be fully in control. And yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, when people talk, like you say, you know, what kind of makes us, it seems like we're really different. And, you know, that's where I keep saying, like, I just, I always think there's a better way to do things. I don't want to do things the way that they've always been done. And that's why I'm so good at change management and thinking logically. I don't, I don't really, I'll, I'll look at how people have done it in the past and say, well, there's, there's always some, something you could do. There's always a better way. And so mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of fun with that. That's kind of my niche. If, if you want to, I think that's what I'm really, really good at. And, um, you know, gaining that resiliency of, you know, going through cancer uh, with my wife's cancer treatments and, uh, you know, all these other sorts of things and just gaining confidence, you know, the confidence. It took me a long time to get confidence playing punk rock to get up on stage and not be, uh, not have stage fright. That, but once you overcome that, all of a sudden people start loving you. You know, people didn't really like my band and I just thought our band was terrible, but it was because we looked scared. 
And if you look scared, people aren't going to be drawn to that. And you know what? My band is still terrible, but people love us now. <laughs> and it's really so what is, weird. What, what is the name of the band, Mark? My current band is called The Heavenly Bodies. Because, Heavenly uh, Bodies. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, we're, we, we think we uh, look pretty good. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of why. <laughs> Uh, again, it's it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. I love old-school wrestling, you know. Talk it up, talk it up like you're the greatest in the world, you know, and uh, you'll fool enough people, right? <laughs> That's right, exactly. And, uh, and you'll have some fun along the way and laugh at your inside jokes. And I don't know. Again, we're not gonna we're uh, we're never gonna make any money at it, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. So perfect. So yeah, well, I think, I think a lot of that, that, all of those things is just kind of where we where I come from. And uh, yeah, it seems to uh, it seems to resonate with a lot of people. And so yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I'd say the other thing is about not being scared to take risks. I was talking about that before. Um, everyone is so self-conscious, so worried about someone's gonna think. And you, you, you can't, you don't want to get yourself into a spot and take make reckless decisions or say something really controversial that's gonna upset people. But you can take risks, especially when you're starting out, because no one knows about you, nobody cares. So even if you do take a misstep you're not going to upset very many people and, and people have such short memories now they'll move on. And so that, again, that was such a freeing, freeing thing. And again, once you start having success with that, it just kind of snowballs out of control and you just gain more and more confidence, take more and more chances and you see what works and what doesn't work. And here we I think are. That's a, yeah. I think that's a, that's a great point. You know, for just from a business sense, Mark, is that, you know, for people who are starting out and they, you know, they have that entrepreneurial spirit and to understand that no one cares. Like they really don't. Right. And, it, and there's a lot of truth in behind that. I had a good friend of mine tell me that one time and I actually got really upset at him. Like, oh, they, everybody does care. No, they don't. All right. And then, you know, and once you can get past that and start taking those risks, that's where great things happen. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a great pivotal point. I think when you can shift that mindset to understand that point, do you agree? Oh yeah. Again, I think those are, those are the big differentiators and you know, we, when we started the business, I knew I knew we would make great beer. I knew we would. I knew I knew how to make great beer, and I'd be determined to figure it out uh, to eventually get there. Um, but I'll tell. I mean, I, I try to talk to anyone that's trying to open a brewery. I'm like, honestly, no one cares if your beer is good. And that sounds terrible from a purist point of view. I I personally only want to drink good beer, but good beer alone is not good enough. You need to have a rock solid business plan. You need a ton of cash to go along with that business plan. And yeah. you need to know how to market yourself. And that means taking risks and um, yeah, just being fearless. And that's, that is not for everybody. I will, I will definitely admit that. But if you can wrap your head around that, it's a very, very powerful thing. And if you look at any of this, anyone that's had a great degree of success, they didn't get there by playing it safe. They didn't get there by just copying someone else or, or anything, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. It's excellent. So the next time that uh, anyone has a, a rebellion beer, we really have your wife to thank. Absolutely. So she she works in healthcare. She takes care of all the sick folks around here. She does great great work. She doesn't really. She's not heavily involved in the brewery, but again, she has such a she has a great eye for for visual things. And she's also you know I'm I'm a certified beer judge, but I actually go to her for opinions on the beer. And um, if she is not in favor of it, then we have to change it. And I, I, I can't understate that enough. It's not, it's not that situation where, you know, you, you, who wears the pants in the house and she makes the decisions. She absolutely has a better palate than me. And uh, yeah, if she says it's good, it's good. 
And if not, we got to go back to the drawing boards. So uh, yeah, she's, she's a really good soundboard for a lot of those things. And she started the whole thing. It all was on exactly. a card. Rebellion came out of a card. So, I mean, I look at this, you know, just listening to you. I mean, we're kind of like, you know, we're resiliency with punk, you know, punk rock. We got tattoos. We have innovation. We have drive. We have change. And that really becomes the, uh, to me, the backstory of, of rebellion. And I mean, that's what separates you. Like, rebellion is kind of, like, although they make great beer, but it's kind of a bit of the odd duck of the beer world. And, and, uh, and that's what separates you. I think so, yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to take personal credit for it, but the other thing, you know, is we really focused on leadership. I spent a ton of time my last few years in government because I was bored with the technology side. I really spent a lot of time on leadership development, took all the courses that I could. And um, again, in government, you don't really have an opportunity to actually implement a lot of those things. So again, with Rebellion, we could. And we started doing all these things and we have great results. Um, we have great staff that love being there that like, will go through a wall, they'll, they'll frankly, they'll work harder than I will. And um, that doesn't happen by accident. And, you know, um, I've got three partners in the business with me and uh, maybe about three or four years into it, one of them said, um, your methods are really weird, but it seems to work. And I said, my methods aren't weird at all. It's all, this is all the, this is all the modern thought on marketing. This is all the modern thoughts on leadership. It just, everyone is too scared to do it or they just say that they say that it's important, but they don't actually put it into practice. Um, that, that's what used to drive me insane in government, you know, is they'd, uh, they'd, you know, create these touchy feely things about engagement, but you know, they, they'd write it down on a piece of paper and then they thought that that meant that they had created employee engagement. Well, mm -hmm. a little bit more involved than writing it on a piece of paper. So um, yeah, I, I like to walk the walk and talk the talk and all that sort of stuff. And so that's, I think that's a huge, huge differentiator. And, you know, again, some folks have said they're, they're jealous or this or that, or Mark's too aggressive. And, um, yeah, there's a method to my madness, I guess. And, um, yeah. That's going to lead us, that's going to lead us right into my next question to you, Mark. This is a perfect segue. So, you know, I personally believe that we're, that we're all odd ducks, right? Uh, we're all misfits. Um, so can you tell me about a time, um, where you didn't fit in? I mean, you kind of led into this already, but when were you really different? Like, what did you do to stand out? You know, what, what made you, you, I mean, I want the details of like, you know, what makes Mark that odd duck, that misfit that you just see things from a totally different perspective than the status quo. I just feel like I was born that way, to be honest. And I just, you know, I kind of feel like I'm just blossoming into my own. It's taken a while to get there. Yeah. I mean, I show up to, you know, I show up to events. So they had me, uh, audacity, the, uh, entrepreneurial group. They asked me to MC their uh, event, their annual event last year, you know, and I showed up, you know, in uh, sweatpants rolled up to my knees and long hair and sunglasses and playing a guitar and whatnot. I mean, a lot of people thought I was an idiot, but um, yeah, I mean, everyone else is in a suit and tie. I was like, I'm not showing up in a suit and tie. I'm just not going to. Uh, and and, and uh, I think that's where you get some of the, the fearless, the fearlessness comes in is there's a, there's a Hank, the Hank Williams, the third is a country singer. He has a line in a song that says, not everyone likes us, but we drive some folks wild. And so I really buy into that. And like I say, even when I was playing punk rock in the early days, no one liked us, but there was probably, but when I say that there was probably two or three people that that they literally thought we were the best band in the world. And that was good enough for me. I was like, you know what? If three people think what we're doing is great, I'm going to keep doing it. And um, if, if other people don't like it, that's fine. And, um, you know, I think in business, that's where we fall into those traps 
Uh, I don't want to offend anyone, and I want to I want to appeal to mm -hmm. everyone. You can appeal to everyone. Um, my brewery is really small. Um, my brewery, um, the entire the entire beer, uh, the local craft beer industry in Saskatchewan is probably three or four percent of the entire market, and I'm one of twenty breweries that make up that three or four percent. I don't need to impress everybody. I don't need to. There's no reason. And if I tried to impress everyone, they're not going to like it. It's impossible. It's going to be so watered down and bland and boring. Um, unless you're, unless you are a big brewer or any big company that you can just throw enough marketing dollars at it, no one's going to care about your bland, boring product or business. So, again, I just, I, it's just such a freeing thing to accept and and welcome that not everyone's going to like it. And so then I can just focus on what I really like, and that's where that passion and energy comes through that just resonates because people are like this is my brewery that was something that i really pushed when i started the business i knew i was going to be super passionate about what i did and but i knew i needed other people to be really passionate and so yeah you you have to provide something that um, that really resonates and really cuts through all the noise and so you know we 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 lucked in i say we lucked into the the name rebellion brewing and the tagline be a rebel drink great beer it was it was about creating this gang. Um, it wasn't about, oh, Mark, Mark's famous homebrew company or something, because no one cares about Mark. But they care about themselves, and who doesn't want to be a rebel? Do you want to, do you want to be, be a lame and drink Budweiser? No, no one wants to be a lame and drink Budweiser. You want to be a rebel and drink great beer. And so that was just, that was just a really cool thing. I, I, I see we kind of locked into that, but... Um, but yeah, there was a lot of thought that went into that as well. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it just keeps snowballing and um, people just keep jumping on board the bandwagon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to say, you, you brought it up. I said, you know, it'd be a lame and drink, you know, there's the, the Budweiser's, there's the Coors Light, there's the Pilsner's. I mean, you know, that's all out there and the market's there for the people who want it. But, you know, those people aren't the rebels and they aren't the differentiators. They just kind of go along with the status quo. But um, it's, it's the people like yourself who are, you know, are, are taking the risk and at the cutting edge and doing something that's completely different, that gets people's attention. And, uh, and I think that brings great respect as well. Well, yeah, and I had like in, uh, so, you know, a few other breweries had, have tried, had tried opening, you know, before we did in, in Alberta and Saskatchewan. And I was always very eager to find out about them and you'd read the initial, you know, kind of press story or their website. And they would say, well, on the prairies, people are used to pretty regular mainstream boring beer. So that's, so that's what we're going to do. Because that's what the public wants. Well, the public doesn't want that. They don't want your bland, your version of bland, boring beer. They want something <laughs> really different and unique. And so, you know, I, re I remember when we opened, you know, a, another brewer uh, came to our opening and he said, I don't know how you're going to sell any beer making all this weird stuff. And uh, I mean, that just, res I was just, you know, I was just saying, like, just watch me. Just watch that's me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, probably the, that's probably the best compliment you could have got. Absolutely. It was, you know, again, I was, I was just like, like I say, I feel like I was born for it. Cause like I say, I saw so many of these other breweries make, making the same mistake and, and not being successful. And I was like, man, when I get the chance, look out because I'm not going to make boring beer. I know that. <laughs> you know, and what's interesting, what you said was that, you know, you, you know, I asked about being a misfit or what made you the odd duck, you know, and you said you were just kind of born that way. And it's, it's, you know, if you to look at it, I mean, you're, you're just kind of, you know, you said you're finding your own and you're just grow, you're growing into it. And, um, and I think with that, your confidence also grows along with that as well, of being the nonconformist and, and being different. And that, that takes guts and it takes courage. And if you can do that, again, that's what makes you stand out. So 
Um, you get a you get a big round. That's the that's what the whole thing about being an odd duck. I mean, I celebrate that, and and uh, I, so I, I I applaud you, Mark, for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's <clears throat> now? We're gonna get into the bit here about. I want to know, Mark, what's like what's your superpower? What what makes you awesome? And this isn't bragging. This isn't about your ego, right? This is about you know. Uh, let me ask you this: If I was to ask your wife what your superpower was, what would it be? Yeah, I think she knows that. I, I, again, I think it's the combination of I'm very detail oriented, very logic oriented, but I've also figured out that if you don't take care of the emotional side and take care of the people side, um, it doesn't matter. You know, you, again, you could be the smartest guy in the world, the best mathematician, the best chess player in the world. No one's going to care. No one's going to love you if you also don't pay attention to that other side. So I try to do that. I think my wife sometimes may say I don't do enough of that still, but um, I've definitely come a long ways on that. So yeah, I feel, I think, I think that's the big difference. And I, and again, I think it's very freeing as a business person. Cause I, again, I, I almost feel, I almost feel like I have to defend the fact that we we're trying to make money, but we're a business. That's, that's the point is to make money. Um, but what really resonated resonates with me is that um, money should not be the ultimate objective. It's very important. And if you don't take care of it, you will never reach your ultimate objective and your business will be very quickly. <laughs> But if, if that's just your ultimate goal, like that's a pretty shallow, vapid existence. And it's, I'm just disgusted by that, to be honest. <laughs> and, I'm with you on that one. And, and you know, and there's lots of schools of thought that, um, that are now saying you will be actually much more profitable if profit isn't your number one driver and objective. Um, and which again, um, I've had interesting discussions with some of my partners. My partners are fantastic. Um, again, I'm usually a little more ahead of the curve on a lot of things. And so they don't necessarily always uh, jump on the bandwagon when I say things like that. But again, I say, well, just watch me and uh, let the results speak for themselves. And so far they have. Yeah, well, there's two points I want to make is that, you know, there's a famous quote by Zig Ziglar says, you can always get what you want by helping other people get what they want, um, which has nothing to do with money. Right. Um, and coming back to this, actually, I just had a thought, you know, when you talk about your superpower, right? Would, would you agree just by listening to you that your superpower is to see into the future? I think so. Yeah. I think um, when I've done some of those behavior personality things, again, my, my real trait is that I'm a much like a change leader. Right. And, and that requires being able to really quickly move forward, see the future understand that things are not working or the status quo is not working or the past is great from a historical research perspective, but you can't make decisions based on the past. And so, yeah, no, I love that, you know, and uh, if you want to talk about the pandemic specifically, you know, I moved very, very quickly with my business within days. I got our finances in order. I had all sorts of things done. We, uh, we, I mean, not that I wanted, I was in a big hurry to fire people, but we had to lay off a lot of staff and we didn't, we didn't wait around to the bitter end. You could see the writing on the wall and you know, it was a tough decision, but you knew it was, you, know, you could see it was inevitable and there was no point continuing on. So yeah, I think, yeah, very, very much a future thinker. You know, you'd asked me before the podcast, you know, some of my accomplishments or some of the things I've done in the past. I, I have trouble even remembering what I did yesterday, um, which, which is honestly, uh, I'm trying to do a better job of that, of acknowledging uh, the accomplishments within the business, because I think it's important to highlight that and pump up the tires of your staff and whatnot. Because um, we shouldn't forget about it. And I'm very, very proud of a lot of our accomplishments. But I'm always, uh, and it's not that I'm not, I'm not uh, satisfied or content with our success. 
but I'm just so much more engaged and excited about the future and what new things. And, you know, even so, even in the pandemic here uh, on Twitter one day, uh, I said, the, you know, I can't, there's so many opportunities. I said, the future looks bright. And another brewery from Winnipeg said, really? It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're good friends of mine and I love them, but um, yeah, they, they clearly had not moved as quick. They hadn't moved as quickly through processing the pandemic and the, the here and the now and weren't able to quite see the, the opportunities that, that are going to be there for those that are ready for it. Well, you could have been driving in, uh, in your, you know, in your Ferrari while they were driving in their 1976 T-Bird. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, again, I'm not just trying to pump my own tires. I, mm -hmm. I, I have lots of faults and blind spots, but um, yeah, I can, I mean, again, we're always, even right now, like we're planning out beers for, uh, for Christmas next year you know and that sort of stuff and that's it maybe seems ridiculous that in the middle of a pandemic you're doing that but that's again that's how we've been successful not that we've made those the made had so, so much success is because we're we don't just sit around and wait for things to happen well it's and i think that you know you're just being very smart and you're using your superpower that's i mean that is your superpower and exactly you're, you're like even a, a few use weeks ago a retailer contacted us about a summer beer program and i was already laughing i'm like no it's like we planned out our summer beers like last november and and then i read the details of their summer beer program and the beer wasn't going to go on the shelf till the end of august i was like are you kidding me like man like, <laughs> you, missed, you missed out on summer dude um, so we just, we uh, elected not to participate in that summer. <laughs> but a little behind the eight ball on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Mark, can you tell me about a time in your life um, when someone did something for you that left a mark, that left an impact on your life? Well, there's there's tons of them. Um, I always try to tell different stories at different times instead of just saying the same thing over and over. It doesn't mean one is more or less important. Um, but just try to mix it up. Um, today, you know what I would say the most important to me would be uh, the day I asked my dad to uh, help me out with the funds to create Rebellion Brewing. So my dad is, uh, again, great guy, born in born raised in Saskatchewan, you know, grew up with, uh, you know, parents that had lived through the Depression and the World Wars and all that, you know, and very, very timid, very, very risk averse, you know, uh, always planning for a rainy day. And he was an accountant and a very, very good accountant which again, makes you typically very, very risk averse. And um, great, I've learned so much from him about managing money and accounting and, and the value of hard work and um, all that's great, but uh, not such a great trait if you want someone to invest in an upstart business by <laughs> people that have never run a business before. But uh, so I, I remember the day I asked him and I finally got up the courage to ask him uh, on a Sunday, he was over here in my garage, and uh, he was just about to leave for the day. And I think we ended up standing there for three hours because he just kept asking question after question after question about the business. And I had done my homework. We'd been working on a business plan for about a year. And, um, you know, by the time he left, he, he sounded pretty convinced. Not, and he wasn't, you know, jumping up and down, you know, that kind of overexcited, oh, my God, this is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. He was just processing all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a – Big, big moment. Um, again, talk about a vote of confidence that your your dad, who's always very, very uh, conservative with with money and investments and all that stuff, is willing to say, "Hey, yeah, I'm I'm willing to help you out, and uh, I believe in you, and I believe in your plan." Wow, I mean, that's still 
it, uh, it, it still like gives me goosebumps right now just just thinking about it, you know, and I, uh, I don't want to let him down and I, I can't wait until we actually make enough money that I can pay him. Back. <laughs> We're close. One, 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 one pint at a time. Yeah, but that again, that's a pretty cool thing, you know. And he was he wasn't a craft beer drinker at the time, and I mean, he is so so proud of our business, and not just proud of me, but like he loves, like he genuinely loves everybody at the brewery. And again, I said, you know, he was he was the shirt suit and tie accountant, you know, pretty straight laced guy. He's got tattoos. He's got a Rebellion Brewing tattoo and this and that. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see uh, to see a guy like that, you know, you know, can't you see can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I mean, he's, he's loving life. Uh, he comes and helps us out at the brewery. He'll help can beer. He'll pick up garbage on the patio. I mean, again, just, just, uh, just, you know, the, the kind of selfless attitude of, I just want to be a part of this. I just want to help in any way I can. And that's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, he was a very successful uh, executive for many, many years. And to just be with, just to go out and do manual labor like that for, for nothing, frankly, um, mm. that, 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 that means a lot to me. So let me ask you this, Mark, uh, this, I think this is fascinating because, you know, your dad was the, you know, the straight laced accountant, suit and tie, risk averse, you know, let's just follow the, let's follow the path. And you're this crazy punk rock tattooed, long haired rocker, you know, misfit, you know, how was, how was your relationship growing up? And, uh, you know, it's cause it sounds like you're two different people. And yet turns around and he, and he believes in everything that you're doing. I think that's, that's a fascinating story. Again, I think, I think everyone really wants to come out of their shell. And uh, again, it's just about, it's about confidence, you know, and I mean, my grandparents, you know, his parents were even more conservative than, than he was, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, that, I mean, he probably, he was probably the rebel of the family, you know, for him. <laughs> uh, but I don't think many people would have said that about Randy if he didn't know, if he didn't know the rest of his family. So, yeah, I, again, I think everyone has that, that shell, uh, you know, you just got to come out of that shell and whatever it takes. And, and you know, some people never do and, that, and that's fine, but everyone's looking for that. That's what I mean. Everyone wants to be a rebel. Everyone wants to be viewed as, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't want to say cool. Cool sounds a little empty and void, but yeah, I don't know. It's okay. It, and, and what I've always said about, um, I think why some people are surprised to find out that I've really never left Saskatchewan is, Saskatchewan has always had that that view that um, everyone should be really reserved and you should be very uh, bash. You should you shouldn't be a braggart. You know, a braggart is a bad thing, and it is. It's not good to be a braggart. I don't I don't agree with that. But in business, um, people need to know about you. And so, if you're going to create a business out of nothing in an industry dominated by multi multi billionaire companies, you've got to make some noise. And if you win an award, you got to tell people say, I I won an award because I make really, really good beer and you should drink it. And so we just took that attitude that we're gonna we're gonna just shout it from the rooftops. And and not not as bragging, but as to hopefully inspire and encourage other businesses or other breweries. Say, yeah, you should, you know, Saskatchewan is the place to be. Um, I remember the day I met the mayor of Regina, Mayor Fougere. And he was in the tap room with his family. And, uh, you know, again, he kind of wanted to know my backstory or kind of what, what we were out to do. And I said, my goal is that when people think of Regina around the world, they will think of Rebellion Brewing. And, you know, this was like our first year. And, I, again, he, I think he kind of looked at me like I was a little crazy. <laughs> but, and, and, 
and maybe that sounded a little cocky, but like set the goals high. And it's like, no, I want everyone to, I want everyone in the world to know how great Regina is, how great Saskatchewan is. And I want them to uh, think of rebellion brewing when they think of that. And so and I, I think it's possible. It really is. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of a cool thing. And whether I get there or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's your, you, I've noticed a shift in, in Saskatchewan in general. You're starting to see people talk about stuff. We've done a little bit just pumping the tires of farmers. Again, farmers are very reserved and farmers, I, they, they'll tell you, they do feel disconnected from city folk or from the rest of the world. They don't feel connected. And so our brewery has really gone out of our way to talk about farmers and not in a plain, boring way. We say farmers kick ass. We say farmers kick ass mm -hmm. and they brew the best, they, they grow the best crops in the world. And we say that over and over. Well, that's a great way to win them over, but it's also the truth. They do, brew, they do grow the best crops in the world. And so we've had so much fun with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think, you know, I think you, you hit a really important point though, Mark, because I mean, you know, I think there's a big difference between bragging and confidence or bragging and celebrating. And I think when you come at it from a place like you guys are, where you're seeing something bigger than yourselves, um, it's, it's a much bigger picture. You're not bragging, you know, but, but you're, you're doing a great job and you're telling the world about it. It's not bragging. That's just being confident in what you do. And I think there's a big difference. And I think so you're, I think you're right in Saskatchewan as a rule is, you know, you know, keep your head down and. You know, you don't want to have anything better than somebody else. And, you know, that's, that's an, I think it's an old fallacy that, that we kind of grew up with. But times are changing. And I think that we need companies like yours to go out and, and celebrate and do things different and celebrate what the farmers are doing. And, so, and Saskatchewan is a great place. And I think you guys are uh, a great representation of what, what Saskatchewan is about and can be. And I think we need to keep pushing that forward. Well, yeah, that's the that's the real beauty of Saskatchewan being being a little small. It is it is small, which means you do know everybody, and it means you can have an impact. And you know, when I when I read stuff online, you, you don't see as much of it, but you still see it now and again. People say, "Well, you know, I live in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan sucks." Well, like it's pretty small, so like you you're contributing to that. If you think it's like you're you're actually you're you're not helping. Um, but the really cool thing is that it's small enough that you can make a difference. You can make an impact. Your silly little brewery can get worldwide recognition um, you know uh, yeah so it's a uh, it's a pretty cool thing and I, I want to I really want to uh, engage and inspire other people to do that um, you know again I had I had the idea and the, the drive to open a business and uh, I want to see other people do that so I, I try to put myself out there I've helped out lots of other people reviewing business plans for breweries for restaurants for butcher shops for all sorts of different things because I want to see them succeed. I want more cool stuff in this, in this province. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's an exciting thing. And I, I think that's part of, I think that is part of that giving back that selfless ideal. Yeah. There's a, and that, 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 that truly is about, that's the great thing about Saskatchewan is, is you are willing to help your neighbors and your friends and your family and all that. So that's a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool trait. So, which is going to lead, man, yeah, I tell you, you're the king of the segue. But I have, to, I, have to share, I have to share this with you, Mark. I mean, so this is, this is, this is Ponder, Ponder the Goose. Okay. And uh, he hi, Mark. And so, so if you see the map behind me, um, this, these are the places so I can scratch off where, where Ponder has been to better the pond. But he's done something for somebody else um, and with it, we're expecting nothing in return. Um, my goal from, from Regina, Saskatchewan, is we want that entire map scratched off by the time I die, 
where people have done something for somebody else, expecting nothing in return, share the story, and then we've actually made the world a better place. And I want that to happen. Now, here we go in little Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, you know, a population of what, 200 and what, what do you want, sitting around 230,000 people, right? And we can make a difference. And if everybody chips in and does little things, man, it's, it, the, the possibilities are endless. So I, I, under, I, I get you. I understand what it's like to be the odd deck. And I understand what it's like to want to have those big dreams um, and push forward and, and do those things. And when people around the world say, hey, there's, you know, craft beer, they want to think rebellion. Why not? Because we can, we can make that happen. So jumping into that next segue, um, I want to know, Mark, um, and this is a whole, you know, big part of this whole podcast is, uh, you know, what are you doing right now to better the pond? Um, and, and why are you doing it? What does it matter? And, you know, I heard some great stories. And that's why we're having this conversation of what, what, what yourself and your team and Rebellion did, uh, especially in this COVID-19 aspect, to jump in and, and do things for other people. So I want you to, to tell, you know, my listeners, you know, what is Rebellion doing to, to better the pond? What have you done? Right, so um, I'll try and focus on two two main things. We do we do it again. We do a ton of stuff. I don't want to. I could go on for hours, but the two uh, the two main things that we're really focusing on is um, our uh, folks that are homeless, suffering from you know dealing with mental illness or uh, or domestic abuse, that sort of stuff. So we really focus on the Regina YWCA and also uh, Regina Street Culture Project. Um, so they're taking obviously uh, YWCA is taking care of women and families. And Street Culture Project is taking care of, uh, of youth that are uh, homeless and suffering from mental health issues, uh, addictions, all that sort of stuff. Uh, again, it kind of ties into our, our whole business thing and that and that whole evolution. We didn't we didn't uh, we we always have worked with both of those organizations a little bit. But again, we were kind of all over the map. We've done lots of work with you know cat rescues or this or that, the Cancer Society. Uh, you know, tons and tons of diabetes, on and on and on, and and they're all worthy, worthy, great causes. Uh, but again, I try to refine what we do and think about more about what we do, and try to think about what can have the most impact uh, locally. And uh, what's becoming clear to me, you know, is we have these, you know, there's a huge, huge social issue here around uh, mental mental illness and addictions and uh, abuse and all that sort of stuff, and so. We've really tried to uh, hone in on those two organizations. I'm also, uh, here's my other side note, is I'm also chair of the board for the Warehouse District, uh, which is a business improvement district. And so I've, I've had the uh, good fortune, I've been able to go to a few uh, down, conf uh, international conferences on just downtowns. And so they talk a lot about that sort of stuff. We're always focused on business, 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 um, which, is, which obviously is what drives downtowns. But if you have a bunch of folks with mental illness on the streets, that is not good for business, obviously. And we need to take care of those people and help them get the, the good help they need. So anyways, it's, it's been a bit of a journey, but um, I've, I feel a lot of more clarity now that those are the two organizations I really want to help. So anyways, uh, when the pandemic happened, that's you know, other than just taking care of our own immediate urgent needs, uh, you know, and our, you know, your family and friends, I immediately started thinking about folks that were staying in shelters or homeless folks and people with mental illness. And they don't have the capacity to understand isolation and physical social distancing. And they, 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 that's not a priority for them. They are struggling in so many other areas. And, and then I also was thinking about the staff, the frontline staff that are trying to help these folks. 
And uh, I just knew that they were going to be in a lot of danger and it was going to be an urgent crisis with a lot of need and a lot of help. And I didn't know what I could do, but I just phoned both of them and I just said, how are you guys doing? And it was not good. You could tell they were struggling. They were panicking. They did not have access to the stuff, the equipment they needed, the hand sanitizer, moving people around, trying to isolate people, on and on and on. Nothing. How are they going to get uh, meals to homeless people, all this stuff. And I just said, I don't have the answers, but I'll help you in any which way I can. And uh, so yeah, the, the YWCA phoned us and uh, just said, hey, you have some, you have some uh, big delivery trucks. Would you be able to help us move some furniture around to move people from some of these shelters where there's multiple families in one space into um, some temporary apartments that, uh, that another uh, company in Regina has donated it for the time being for these folks to stay in to keep the families isolated and safe and i mean i just jumped at it i i didn't even know our delivery schedule i just said yeah we'll make it work and uh we did and again my staff was my staff were thrilled to go and do it it was an inconvenience in their day and they had to juggle a whole lot of things but they said that they felt so good that they were able to do that and help these people out um i mean that's that's pretty powerful you know if i was I think about some of my previous jobs when I was in government. If I was asked to do something I didn't really want to do, I wouldn't have been too happy about it. So uh, it makes me it, it makes me feel good to know that my staff also believe in these things. That's what really resonates. Uh, like I say, the hand sanitizer was a major shortage issue, still is, and uh, we did not we don't not we didn't have the ability to make hand sanitizer, but we partnered with another uh, distillery a few blocks down the street from us, Outlaw Trails. They are super small, and so we help them um, just unloading the product. They don't even have a forklift to unload big products, so we were doing that. We've helped them deliver a lot of this stuff, and we were able to donate a lot of hand sanitizer to Street Culture and to the YWCA. Um, we've donated. We had again, just you know, because we're apparently we're we're known, we're kind of a cool thing. Um, a lot of folks just donated um, masks to us, more masks than we needed. So we just started donating them to the Street Culture Project because they didn't have enough masks. Um, They've told me and they've posted on Facebook that Rebellion Brewing has provided them with more masks than the government of Saskatchewan, who they do rely on for their supplies. And I'm not trying to beat up on the government of Saskatchewan, but it kind of blew my mind. And the, and the crazy thing about that is I didn't donate those masks. My staff did. They took it upon themselves because um, we have such a great relationship with these people and knew that we had masks, that we, we had more masks than we needed. And they just, they reached out to them and said, hey, we'll give you some masks. That's a pretty cool thing to just find out that, uh, that that's just happening uh, within your own company. Right. But that shows also, yeah, it is very powerful, and it, and it, but it also shows a lot about the leadership. Yeah, again, it just it just feels, yeah, exactly, right? Again, I'm not, I'm not taking the credit for that, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I, I obviously chose certain people to come and work for me and, um, and tried to uh, coach them and help them grow in their own personal development. Yeah, I mean, um, it feels good. It feels great. I, I, and I'll tell you right now, actually, I just, I just left the office. Uh, I'm, uh, pardon me, I left the brewery. And uh, there's actually one of the, uh, there's a young woman from Street Culture, and she's actually painting our patio right now. And uh, I just went and picked her up a sandwich so she could have, uh, have some lunch, you know, so she was pretty stoked. So got her a sandwich and then came, uh, and then came over here to do the podcast. So I mean, it's, it's again, it's hands-on. You know, anyone can donate money. We do donate money. We, donate money uh, as well uh, again not knocking anyone who donates money but you should also be willing to roll up your sleeves get involved get to actually know the people that are in the programs they're they're all people 
you know, they didn't, they, they, uh, they didn't end up there because they wanted to be a drug addict or they wanted to be homeless. Um, they were people just like you and me that just got into a bad spot and didn't have the supports they needed. So, um, yeah, that human element, it just, it's so humbling. And, uh, yeah, again, I'm not saving the world, but, um, yeah, it feels, it feels good. It, 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 there's a lot more value to that than just, you know, counting the dollars in your bank account. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's much bigger than that, right? So and I know when we talked uh, probably, probably a couple of weeks ago prior to this, you had also mentioned about um, that your brewmaster is, is a female and most of your staff is. And so then there, I think you were mentioning about brewing a batch of beer and the funds going to uh, to an organization as well, which I thought was, that, that, that really got my attention. That well, I thought was, was pretty amazing. So um, what are you doing there? Right. So that was, uh, that was a partnership we did with the YWCA. So every year we brew a beer on International Women's Day and we always donate a small portion of the funds. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're successful, sure, but um, the actual dollars in our bank account are not that, that much. So when we do a charity donation, it's usually 1500 to $2,000. Um, we're, so we're still actually selling that beer that we launched with YWCA and we're donating all of the proceeds to the YWCA. We're currently up to about $10,000. Um, and yeah, hoping we can double that, um, within the next month or two. So yeah, it's really cool. You know, and the, the whole thing about, uh, the whole gender issue thing, especially in brewing, it's weird because there's some folks who, uh, think it's a non-issue and then some folks who really do notice that it's still, it's still a really important thing. And so, um, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't specifically go out to hire, you know, with a mandate of I needed a certain number of women, but we, we, our management team is, is over 50% female. Uh, our brewmaster, Vanessa, obviously is female. And um, yeah, I mean, I just always wanted a diverse group of people. I want introverts. I want extroverts. It creates, con- absolutely, it creates conflict, but it creates really good <laughs> conflict, really good results, really good ideas. If everyone just thought like me, it would be awful. Um, my wife actually brings that up. My wife is very, very extroverted, very, very emotional, very, um, uh, very, uh, very hands-on. Whereas I'm more, you know, thinking in my head a lot more. And it does lead to conflict, but it uh, it would be pretty boring if we were both the same and just, you know, doing uh, calculations in our head all the time. So, so here's so my here's to- my question for you. Yeah. Here's my question for you, Mark. Yep. Is it conflict or is it synergy? Yeah, I think it's synergy, right? It's the, I, uh, I, one plus one equals three, right? If you've got the right combination is it's uh, it's really powerful stuff. It's really cool. And, uh, um, you know, again, I just, that's where the logic in my head kicks in is, you know, population is, you know, roughly 50, 50 male and female and the beer industry has only catered to half the population for, you know, the last, hundred years that seems pretty, pretty stupid to me I don't know and um, so yeah why wouldn't you uh, try to sell beer to to everybody and, and again not not to bland, make it bland and boring but to make something that will actually resonate with them and so we really we we're not perfect by any stretch but we really try to go out of our way to not uh, buy into the and mark, use those kind of traditional marketing we I mean we we're we're, we're very lucky. We do sell beer at the Saskatchewan Rough Rider professional football games, one of the only um, stadiums in Canada that actually serves local craft beer. But we don't really pump up like about football and drinking beer and this and that, you know, and being a bunch of dudes. We don't really <laughs> talk about that because um, 
dudes are gonna watch football and drink beer whether we tell them to or not and so right. but it's it's a turnoff to a lot of people that aren't into that so we just said well we don't need to talk about that um but yeah even even and uh the only point i would make is even some some breweries who uh you know i would are, are in no way sexist are still very male focused you know um if you just look at like the, the imagery and the graphics and just the, the language you know and that sort of stuff, and it's not offensive language, but it's it's very masculine focused. And um, again, I shouldn't be giving away all my secrets, but it's uh, <laughs> hey, like I say, there's a heck of a lot more people you can sell beer to if you maybe just uh, shift your focus a bit. Right, and there's male rebels and there's female rebels. Exactly, that's what there's you know. Again, we always um, again, you know, I keep saying, you know, I got this punk rock background, you know, and oh yeah, yeah, you're a rebel and James Dean and Elvis Presley, and, mm. but. Uh, one of the big eye openers for me is my communications manager. He's kind of nerdy. He's nerdy. He is nerdy. Uh, we're all nerdy. But uh, but what makes him? He's like he. It, it's actually kind of rebellious. He's super into Dungeons and Dragons and this and that. It, it's like cool. Right? I'm like yeah, man, that is cool. You know, and uh, my uh, my office manager, she's fantastic. She was like a she was like a professional gymnast and competed and you know, world competitions and you know again all this stuff. But then she's like into like all these like crazy cats and uh, cat clothing, you know, with the laser cats and this and that. I'm like, you know what? She's a rebel too. She's got her, she beats, she, 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 she goes to the beat of her own drum as well. Yeah. And so that's where I was like, you know what? That, that was a really big uh, turning point for me. I was like, everyone could be a rebel. You don't need, you don't need to have tattoos and this and that to be a rebel. Um, well, we're, we're all odd ducks. Exactly. And, that, and we're that's all odd ducks. So that, again, it was, it was a really pivotal point. For we we had uh, we had taken that we had a lot of success, frankly leaning into more of that punk rock tattoos things, which we still do. But again, I just felt I was like we're not reaching everyone that I think this would appeal to, and that was so that was a real uh, that that took a, a bit of soul searching and probably a year of just thinking about that because because again I didn't want to I also didn't want to be viewed as a sellout and pandering or watering it down, and yeah mm. I literally. I just started looking around at my other staff and I was like, these people are all rebels too, just in their own unique way. So it's, it's absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So I have to, I have to ask you, Mark, when you're looking at like the, you know, the work that you're the giving back that you're doing, you know, the work that you're doing to better the pond, just briefly, um, why are you doing it? Why is rebellion doing it? You know, again, I think, uh, focusing specifically on, you know, folks that are really on, on down on their luck, I think is one, it, it, it has a personal meaning to me, not that I necessarily, have friends or family that have been in that situation, but it's, it's, those folks are part of our community and we can't, we can't have a successful community if, if a, a large portion of them are suffering and failing, right? And I think that's a real problem worldwide. And so again, I can't solve the worldwide problem of, you know, the billionaires and trillionaires that are controlling the world and dumping on everyone else, but I can focus on the homeless folks in my own community. And so that, that really had a meaning to me. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I think you, if it comes with age or wisdom or what, I don't know, some, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you just realize that there's, you, there's a bigger purpose to life than just, you know, making a bunch of money so that you can die and give it to someone else or go to, a, go to Mexico and eat buffet and get too drunk or something. <laughs> like, that's, that's all, that's fine. That's great. Hey, who doesn't love doing that? But <laughs> it's kind of a shallow example. <laughs> I, again, I'm not, I'm not looking down my nose at anyone, you know, I love, I love going on vacation. I love drinking my beer. I love buying my records and guitars and 
hey, everyone, everyone's got their thing, but but there should be a little bit more. And you start, and again, it's not about. Uh, uh, I read something one time said like, what 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 will your legacy be, or what do you want your legacy to be? And yeah, that's that's there's a bit of a, a tone of ego egotism in there that I don't really like, but it is kind of you know how do you want to be remembered? And mm -hmm. uh, I I do get a little bit challenged with that if you if you if you uh, buy into the theory that you know this is all nothingness and uh, you know the whole nihilism type thing, which some days I kind of buy into, but I don't know. I don't want to go too far down that road. I think they're, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to have faith and hope that, uh, that doing things that really matter will matter and will make a difference. And if you happen to be remembered from it, so be it. But I'd rather just know that uh, you, made, you did make an impact and did the best you could. Nice. So, I mean, bottom line is you, you just want to make the community a better place. You want to help, you want to help where you can. You want to help make a difference, and even if it's to even if it's to bringing a sandwich to exactly, someone right? paying the rent. That was a very real simple. Thing. Yeah, and we did it for another shelter. Um, again, lots of people donate food to shelters and money to shelters. I went and bought all the groceries and cooked up a pot of chili and fed uh, mm. I don't know 200 people chili one day uh, last year. And again, it's not about me and about me feeling good inside, mm. but it was about being about the, the humbling uh, ability of just cook, just cooking a good meal for people and not expecting anything in return. And you could, I mean, these people were coming in from the cold and I mean, you could just see, you could just see their eyes light up when they grabbed the warm bowl of chili and it was warming their hands, you know? Um, that's pretty cool. Something, something so simple, right? Yeah. That can make such an impact. Good for you. So Mark, so you were, um, what does the future look like? If you were to paint me a picture of your golden pond, I mean, you know, we've been through such a trying time with, with COVID, everybody's lives have been turned upside down. Where do you, where do you see things moving to you? You were, you were the sage, you were, like, you, know, you were like the father goose on the pond and you have all the wisdom. What do you see for our future? Well, I think, you know, a lot of things have sped up as a result of uh, the pandemic. Uh, you know, the whole idea of working from home and um, home delivery and purchasing online and there's good and bad to that. It is what it is. Um, but you know, again, I think I think in the what I would really like to see, and I what the what what has also happened, and I hope has a lasting impact, is the connection to the community. And I mean, there's no there's no greater connection than the fact that you could get sick and make someone else sick, and they could die. And I mean, if that doesn't resonate with you, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not, much of a, not much of a human being, frankly. Um, and so, you know, and I, I hope a lot, I hope a lot of people kind of do pause and reflect. You know, I, I know everyone thinks that their way of thinking is best, and if everyone just thought like they were, the world would be better. But you know, I think there is, I, I there, there is room for a kinder, gentler world. I do think that there is a real, there is a growing momentum for for local business and local community and that sort of engagement. And um, again, I just I just hope people don't uh, go back to their usual thing, you know, of fighting over garbage on you know Black Friday sales and that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, so again, I there's a huge opportunity, and um, that's where we really wanna we really wanna double down on that and on the idea of helping out your neighbor and supporting your neighbor. I think there's there's huge concern. I hope that the, it resonates with folks that there's major major cracks in our healthcare system in general that require you know we're already spending probably way too much money on healthcare but we probably need to spend even more to get it 
fixed properly. We're not prepared for these types of things. Um, there's obviously issues with supply chain. Um, you know, we've spent the last 30 some years uh, turning into a global economy, which again, I can't change, but I think we also realize, hey, there is value to having a brewery located here in our city that is using grain grown in our province as opposed to uh, relying on it coming from elsewhere. There's huge risks associated with that. And uh, so, yeah, um, those are things that are really important to me. It's about resilience. It's about, um, you know, creating lo uh, local economic activity. That's something I'm really passionate about. And so I think there's huge opportunities there. And so I'm probably spending more time than I should right now talking with different layers of government from federal, provincial to, uh, to municipal to ensure that we start working towards that. And now's the time. And of course, you know, again, there's the other the big, the big, uh, the big companies. They, they don't want that. To, they don't want that. They don't want things to change. They want things to go back to the way they were, where they make ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of money. And they're going to be pressuring mm -hmm. the government to make sure it stays that way. So um, I guess that's why I feel it's worthwhile uh, trying to have those, trying to engage with government and to ensure that uh, local business is not forgotten about and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity. I don't know if we'll be successful, but I'm going to give it my all. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So what would, you know, this isn't something I usually ask, but I have to ask the question, Mark, is, you know, when you look back at this, this whole COVID thing, what's, what's the, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned through all this? What's, what's the number one sort of takeaway that you learned about, you know, from having to shift gears on a dime and, and try to move forward through all that? What, what would, so what would, what's the biggest lesson or what advice would you have? Uh, the biggest lesson or advice, I think, I don't know if I may be answering it correctly, but you know, I, I've mentioned resilience a few times and, uh, mm -hmm. I actually started thinking about that about a year ago about business resilience and about just personal resilience. And I think I learned a lot about that even originally, like I say, when my wife went through cancer treatment, but yeah, I think, you know, our business is kind of, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy, but we've kind of come through it with, with flying colors for the most part. And and everyone's on board and everyone's strong and it, um, it just validates, it validates how uh, strong our business is, how, how uh, strong our folks are and how much it resonates with the community. The, the outpouring of support for what we do um, has meant a lot, you know, and we, we've always tried to have a positive uh, message and it's resonated more than ever with folks. And so again, I think that that's just so powerful it gives you so much confidence. It gives me confidence that people genuinely uh, appreciate and enjoy what we do. It gives me confidence that my staff can manage through anything. We can manage this. If we can come out of this and do well, we can do anything. Uh, again, that's just so freeing. You know, I think it's, um, we put through anything, whether it's work or whatever, maybe it's a sport, um, people put in ridiculous, ridiculous amount of effort and passion and energy, but you know, you do that for five, six years, you eventually start to, uh, to get tired and burnt out. And you got to look for that next thing that's going to rejuvenate you and get your juices flowing. Uh, and I'm not, I wasn't necessarily burnt out. Uh, you know what? I probably was. I probably was. But I will say I was getting burnt out. <laughs> and man, talk about, I mean, I, I'm still burnt out. This has been tiring. Pandemic has not been, uh, I haven't, uh, it hasn't necessarily refreshed me, but it certainly re-energized me. And, uh, it makes me want to work even harder and do even more things and set even bigger goals just because I know how much, uh, how much it means to people and to see the impact that we have. 
it's like, you know, again, just look out, look out. We got a lot more, we're going to do a lot more damage and a lot more cool things to come. Nice. And I can't, I can't wait to watch it. So, so Mark, I want to, you know, I really want to thank you for your time today. And you said like, you're a busy guy. You got lots to go. Um, I just wanted to really share uh, stories from people in the community doing, doing amazing things. And, you know, yeah, you see them in a small town or a small city of Regina, you know, looking at and, and, and thinking in such a big scope of the world and, and, and the things that you guys are doing. So Mark, where can, where can people find you? You got, you know, you're on, you're on Dudney Avenue. Uh, you got, you got the brewery there. Where else can people find you? Yeah, so our brewery is just in uh, Warehouse District here in Regina on Dudney Avenue. Um, we sell beer only in Saskatchewan. We sell a little bit in Manitoba to one, one store in Manitoba. They really, really like us, so we, we agreed to sell them beer. But otherwise, we're available at about 250 locations across Saskatchewan. We deliver all of our own beer. We don't let anyone else deliver our beer. Uh, take a lot of passion and pride in that. We've got the Rebellion vehicles driving up and down the, the highway. People love seeing that. Um, someone posted it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, of our truck driving by they live people just lo- they light up seeing it who doesn't love seeing a psychedelic colored beer truck driving down their road so, um, so yeah. <laughs> again we tell people hey you know we get requests weekly from people around the world hey can i get my your beer in vancouver i'm like no and we, I, you know we'll, we'll say no vancouver sucks you got to come to saskatchewan that's where good beer is you know <laughs> <laughs> you know just kind of that sort of thing and yeah, we're all we're we're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have my own personal accounts and the brewery accounts and I shoot my mouth off on Twitter a lot. That's yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's your Twitter what's your Twitter handle? Where can they find you? Uh I think it's Mark the Brewer, which is a total lie because I haven't brewed beer in five years, but it's Mark the Brewer is my Twitter handle. <laughs> okay. And uh you also have your own podcast as well, correct? Yeah, we have the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. We've done a little over 100 episodes. Um, again, people thought we were kind of crazy that we did that. Um, started, and people are just loving it now. We're getting recognized. We're getting asked to speak uh, about uh, podcasts from a technical perspective, expertise perspective. And again, we just our, our uh, podcast just focuses on telling cool stories in the community and across Saskatchewan. So it's not just about beer. Some people think, oh, it's just about beer. I don't want to listen to it. I guarantee you, you'll find something of interest. Again, you probably don't want to listen to all 100. Maybe you will. I haven't listened to all 100, I'll be honest. But um, again, just kind of like what you are, there's, there's always some cool stories to tell. And uh, yeah, again, whatever, whatever influence or brand awareness we might have, if we can use that to shine a light on someone else, hey, that's pretty cool. Cool. What's your favorite beer? Uh, right now would be our Golden Crush, which is our uh, 4.5% uh, summer IPA. It's really, really juicy. It's not bitter. Big, bright citrus taste. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have trouble keeping it in stock. I usually drink different beers all the time, but I have been drinking nothing but Golden Crush for almost two weeks. So it's, uh, it's pretty good. So I am not an IPA guy. Typically, I have an IPA and like, oh, it's just, you know, I get that bitter hops. It just yep. doesn't work. So, so would, would Golden Crush convert me? We hear that a lot on our Golden Crush. People say, you know what? I don't like IPAs, but I like Golden Crush. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, it, it, uh, it, it is one that can appeal to a lot of people. I remember I, I served it at a Coulter Wall uh, show in Saskatoon about three or four years ago when no one knew who Coulter Wall was. And so these people were not, you know, craft beer enthusiasts, but we were giving out samples. I just, this is our summer beer. And everyone there said, this is the best summer beer ever. They had no idea it was full of hops. They didn't know, they didn't know anything about it. They just knew it was amazing. 
And uh, so that was kind of a cool, cool little story I got to tell about Poultry Bowl. <laughs> well, I'll have to try it out. Yeah. When, uh, when do you guys open back up? Uh, June 8th is when we're, uh, government allows the uh, places to open back up. That's a Monday. We're not open Mondays right now, so it'll be the, the Tuesday. And yeah, we're really excited to have people back. We're probably only going to have people on the patio to start with. Um, but that should be, it should be great. You know, looking forward to seeing, you know, friends and family and regulars and, uh, yeah, it's gonna, it, it's gonna feel real good. Excellent. So, yeah, so all the listeners, right. And, and you know, if you're not from Saskatchewan, come to Saskatchewan. Uh, be a rebel, drink great beer, support rebellion because rebellion is, is uh, supporting the community and it all just, it's all just a trickle down effect. So uh, Mark, thank you again for your, for your time today. I love what you guys are doing in the community. Um, you know, I will definitely support you any way that I can because I think you guys are just doing great things. So, um, so, so good on you. Thank you again for listening. We're having a great time here together. And um, so, you know, again, this is Warren Barry signing off where we're going to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. <laughs>